It's April 12th, 1997, and Staring at the Sun by U2 is number one on the Billboard Modern Rock Chart. Welcome to you two talk to me about all you two's thoughts on the sun. I'm Trav. <laughs> I'm Al. <laughs> I'm Quillen, and this is a podcast where we talk about every song that reached number one on the Billboard Modern Rock chart in the 1990s, beginning with Kurt Cobain's death in April 1994. Today we'll be talking about Staring at the Sun, the second single from U2's ninth album, Pop. Uh, Staring at the Sun spent three consecutive weeks at the top of the modern rock chart. Here is a clip. <laughs> Was that a threat? <laughs> kind of. Here's probably. a clip <laughs> if, if you're not a good boy. Summer, let's get undercover. Don't try too hard to think. Don't think it All right, so my hypothesis is that this is going to be potentially the shortest episode of Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod in the history of Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod. <laughs> you say uh, that, but we'll, we'll see. We'll <laughs> see. Uh, okay, so how do you feel about the song Staring at the Sun by U2? I want to say to address that, I feel like <laughs> we could make this short. Nobody needs to talk about U2. They don't need more attention than they've already had. They had their moment, and it was right for... 1992 or whatever it was um but listen they've had multiple moments we're content creators you guys we gotta stretch this out i kind of want to just get in and get out with this oh god jeez all right i'll tell you what staring at the sun i like it i like this song i do like this song i've always thought um that the riff in the chorus is so catchy that's the, um, the that's one. The, such an earworm. That one? That's the, the good part of the song. The, but, the single good part. That but happens like, multiple times. But. Yeah, Does it, it give you a George Harrison constantly. vibe? Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, like an Abbey Road or, or maybe White Album. It's got like the Leslie speaker. It's playing through a, through a Leslie. Uh, okay. Rotary, yeah, Rotary yeah you're, you're articulating that better than I could have. Okay, yeah. gotcha. It um, definitely, yeah, 100% out. Uh, so it, it it's great, and I think um, yeah, the chorus is 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 great. I think that the f- the fact that it goes to like, um, I guess what is it a, um, I I don't know what key it's in, but the third chord is like a two that's played as a seventh chord instead of a minor, um, is uh I gotcha a, yeah like a strong characteristic of the song. Um, yeah. It's more uplifting uh, for, I guess, non-musician 
non musicians. It's like like an uplifting thing rather than just like uh, what you would assume would be a minor key chord mm-hmm. that would. And be it's a got little a little bit, bit of a sharper edge to it. Um, I think yeah, I think it's a good. It's probably the best song on the album. This was like it was played on the radio and it deserved to be. It was good enough. It's good enough. <laughs> it's an incredibly boring song with like a nice catchy guitar lick in the chorus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's about yeah, all, it's not special. All I have to say about it. It's not special it's, relative to other radio songs at the time. It, it's a fine song that uh, I would certainly have trouble not releasing. It would be very tempting to release if I were an artist. I feel like you two should not have released this song. Despite knowing that it was good, uh, it's just for a band that has tried to present a narrative of constant progress. I'm not saying that I buy into that narrative, but I do think that U2 has tried to create that impression that they went, you know, they they evolved their 80s sound. You know, there was a a really impressive new kind of wall of sound on Unforgettable Fire. They refined it on Joshua Tree. They perfected it. And then they moved on. They reinvented themselves with Octung Baby. And now they've kind of been gradually evolving. And then here they are just kind of saying like, I don't know, here's a song that's like a nice pop song. It sounds like it's from 1968, 1969. And I feel like that's, uh, I, I don't know. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a good choice for you two. I, I like the bridge that has uh, the vocals are in octaves. So it's got a little bit of a funky feeling to it. There's some funky bass on that that uh, bridge. The song kind of breaks down, and then the acoustic guitar comes back in to lead you back into the chorus. So I like that. particular thoughts or cares about what it might be about i don't know it's probably a line that sounds cool Mm -hmm. um and then they kind of went with that idea i don't think it's got it how does this compare with um be here now by oasis yeah it just occurred I mean, to it, me that that's maybe like kind of similar where it's this very like vapid arena rock anthemic yeah, sort of all like, around the world. Got to spread, yeah. spread the word. It's gonna yeah. Be a better day. Yeah, yeah. It's like come up with one great line and build a song around it. Yeah. Not even a great line, a good line. Yeah. It seems like it would be a, a good song on be here now. I agree. I think that that that's a, a pretty good way of putting it. Yeah. So I don't know what it's about. I don't think they know what it's about. I think they were mm-hmm. just like, wouldn't Putting it be words cool together. if you wrote a song about staring at the sun? And then they did, and that was it. Music video is also pretty underwhelming. It's just kind of <laughs> them with a strobe light. And eventually some psychedelic effects show up that look like they came from the iTunes visualizer in the 2000s. So ahead of its time. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I miss the camera humping. 
And the and the the Batman mask revealing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should make a video to this song with those two things happening. <laughs> back and forth. Just clips bouncing back and forth. Yes. <laughs> All right. Based on my clock, we're about nine minutes into this episode. Uh, we'll take a break and we'll come back and we're not going to talk about a U2 album. Uh, I'm actually pretty excited to do U2 top fives. U5. U5. U5 top twos. U2s. <laughs> All right, here we are. We're going to do our, our top five U2 songs of all time. This is something that we've done uh, in other episodes when we kind of, uh, uh, there's it's not clear mm-hmm. what album to talk about next or, we, you know, we've, we're doubling up on something. What did we do this um, for Nirvana and R.E.M., I think? And correct? Pearl Jam. We did it for Pearl, Pearl Jam. Jam. Yeah. yeah, Pearl Jam, we just made a really long episode. Yes. Quill, why don't you start? Sure. Um, my uh, fifth favorite U2 song, this is coming from someone who is not a U2 fan, um, but I do like songs of theirs and uh, maybe one album of theirs. Um, my number five is Promenade from The Unforgettable Fire. Album track, kind of droney, um, kind of sounds like Echo and the Bunnymen or something like that along those lines. Um, mm-hmm. A little gothy. Um, it's just a nice uh, kind of darkish droney ballad. It's just sonically in a, in a real sweet spot for me. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's a great, great tune. Trav, number five. Um, I I was just this was going to be a game time decision here for number five. I had a couple of different options. I was thinking about mysterious ways, cause uh, cause that's cool. But I I'm gonna try to go for the best five songs rather than what I wanted to talk about the most. So uh, number five will be "All I Want Is You" from Rattle and Hum. Really, like they're doing, they're doing great stuff, and it's not so super serious like Joshua Tree stuff. Um, I mean, it is, it, it is a very like serious kind of solemn song. It, it's very quiet, and um, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, just kind of a quiet, 
easy five or six minute song that uh, <laughs> is a YouTube ballad. It's just Bono singing, and it sounds yeah. great. That's another song that, like Three Marlenas, it has uh, interesting blue notes in the string arrangement. Oh, so it's like yeah. very straight um, chords, but then uh, the the strings are playing some interesting chromatic stuff that creates a little dissonance. And I, I strongly considered that one. It's a great, great track. Cool. What's your number five, Al? I chose "Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me." Oh. Like after we did that podcast episode, you know, Trav put me in my place. There, there were some things that I really liked about that track. I felt like I really liked the production and the music video. I feel like is kind of a work of art. I mean, the yeah. it's it's so weird that that, that you two did a, a a track that is on a Batman soundtrack and is being used for cross promotion, and somehow artistically that backs up what they are doing rather than subverts what they're doing that like everything about the commercialism of it somehow dovetails perfectly with the art of it. <laughs> and uh, I had said during that episode, when we talked about that song that, Oh, you two's just, you know, Bono's just spouting off some random ironic alternative rockisms, you know, this whole idea of, uh, um, what is the line about getting crucified? Um, yeah, they want you to play Jesus, go down on one knee, and they'll want their money back if you're alive at if 33. you're alive at twenty. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and then uh, I was saying that that was kind of just like some junky uh, Kurt Cobainism, and Trav said, "No, that's kind of like what's at the heart of this track." And the more that I listened to it, the more that I kind of saw that that oh, it's like these ideas of self destruction and celebrity and martyrdom and uh the, the whole package uh is something that i'm i've been really excited about I, there's cool string arrangement nelly hooper mix you know we talked about him somewhat recently and that's cool and uh you know i i heard a lot of like t-rex in that track and i think i think it's better than almost anything on octung baby so i think that it's kind of a a great realization of what U2 was trying to do in the, the early to mid 90s so yeah that's my number five uh, my number four U2 song get this guys it is from the 2000 album all that you can't leave behind I believe it and it is a song called stuck in a moment you can't yeah. get it oh alright yeah. Right. yeah hey I 
I actually Good. loathed that song as a child. What? Yeah. I did not get it. I thought that the lyrics were funny, stupid. Oh. And yeah, just in recent years, like I, that song has really kind of hit home to me. It's it's a beautiful pop ballad. The melody throughout is fan fucking tastic. Yeah. It's uh, you know, I mean. It might be a little hokey, but like, man, it's a beautiful song. It's a really, really great pop song. And I would, it's up there with Jesus, etc., for uh, accidental nine eleven significance. Mm. It really is. That's a. Uh, um, that is an interesting. That was uh, that. Song both was, songs that were written and recorded before nine yeah. eleven, but became associated hmm. with nine eleven. That was about uh, Michael Hutchins from NXS. Hmm. Was it? Yeah. Who. Huh. Um, yeah. Who would, it's a uh, really beautiful song. Oh. Yeah. 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 I, I'm glad you mentioned it. I, I don't have too. a ton to say about it. it. I just it's I just think it's a really, really nice, really, really yeah. good song that is Isn't there a just football so music video? catchy. A football music video? I think so. Hmm. Am I wrong about that? Or did I, I just know. see a montage for an NFL game? With that, with that song overlaid on it, could be like an ad or something. <laughs> Maybe. Sure, it wasn't like "Fix You" by Coldplay. <laughs> That's my number three favorite U two song. I remember. I think I've talked about this before. I remember seeing ads for the, the Star Wars movies were going to be showing on network TV, and they played "Fix You" while they did the trade the trailer for all the Star Wars movies. So I was like, "What the fuck Ugh. are you doing?" <laughs> Trav, what's your number four? Um, my number four is the title track from uh, The Unforgettable Fire. It's a it's a great song. It's moody. It's like a a six four song where it's like a minor keys. Oh oh my god! So when I was listening to it, it, it struck me that it was basically the Boys of Summer by Don Henley. It's the same thing. It's this very moody verse with a giant, beautiful, powerful uh, chorus mm-hmm. in a major key where it shifts from like minor key moody verse to like big, bright major key chorus and uh terrific song cool uh my number four is from joshua tree i kind of get the idea that you two might not be uh including songs from joshua tree um this is uh feels to me like you two's stab at a springsteen song it's the song trip through your wires Uh, 
got a, a real American blues rock feel complete with uh, Bono doing some harmonica solos. And um, I really like the second half of Joshua Tree. I feel like it breaks free of some of the legend of Joshua Tree. And you get to hear some songs that could have been, I think, big hits, but have not been um, overexposed. And uh, it's... Um, Got beautiful reverby production, but not like Streets Have No Name production, where it's you know that 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 edge sound that's become cliched. Feels very American, uh, you know. Daniel Lanois and and Brian Eno working on it. Lanois played auto harp through the edges uh, delay setup, and um, it gives it a nice '80s commercial sheen that's really appealing. But the the number one thing is it just sounds like the band's having a lot of fun. And it sounds like Bono's having a lot of fun. And I think this has made me realize uh, when I looked at what my favorites were, I think that I often think of Bono in kind of a negative way as someone who's really self-conscious and really trying to control his image and, and the way that he sings. And uh, Trip Through Your Wires has lots of kind of like yeehaw kind of moments and yeehaw kind of energy where it just feels like the band's just uh, tearing loose. And uh, it's just a love song. And I like it a lot. Awesome. Great. Um, Before I mention my number three, I do want to mention a song that uh, deserves mentioning um, that just missed the cut for me is New Year's Day, um, which I think was Me too. War. Um, yeah, that song slaps, and uh, I don't know. yeah, just just wanted to mention that that song rules. It's great. Um, I always assumed that that, or like, I kind of like um, associated that with like a lot of the '80s hits that you hear on the radio. Yeah, yeah but yeah, like, yeah. it stands out if you're really paying close attention. Yeah. Like the piano, the low piano notes yeah. uh, that are playing are so great. I mean, it sounds. I, but it does kind of sit in with those like 80s greats like it, it does I mean I know what you mean Trev it does stick out but like also it is like I'm not surprised that I love it because I love The Cure and you know this yeah. and New Order and Echo and the Buddy yeah. Man. Like, Th- there's a lot of U2 that. stuff that sounds a lot like The Cure in, in the 80s I find mm-hmm. yes I've noticed that yeah so, just wanted to put that out there my number three is actually the unforgettable fire from the unforgettable fire. <laughs> wow. um, yeah, we're not gonna play another clip. Uh, that song is uh, amazing. Um, it uh, I don't have anything much to add aside from I feel like it is very influential of like uh, some mid two thousands, some late two thousands bands like Arcade Fire. Unforgettable um, Arcade Fire for sure. The uh, <laughs> sorry, Jesus. Uh, and the Walkman too. I kind of got a little bit of uh, oh. Walkman vibes in it. Um, but yeah, just a, a great '80s pop, gothy, bright chorus. Like I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't have anything more to add than than what you said, Trav. But it's pretty near perfect. It's a really great song. Best song on a great album. Travis, number three. Album one, side A, track one, I Will Follow.
a real ass ripper. This song yeah. is awesome. Uh, the riff is awesome. The riff is incredible. And it's just like playing the higher notes of two chords back and forth with some xylophone in there. And, Glockenspiel. Uh, Glockenspiel, thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and God, I could just listen to that guitar part over and over forever. Um, it sounds like Joy Division, but with Bono singing an octave higher than uh, Ian Curtis would have, mm-hmm. would have sung mm-hmm. it. But um, yeah, it was it, it it's like post punk, basically. Yeah. And I think it, God, I don't know, was that late seventies that that came 1980. out? Nineteen eighty. Okay, nineteen eighty. Yeah. Um, yeah, love it. Terrific song. Mm-hmm. I have a suspicious amount of research about this song. <laughs> <laughs> this is my number three as well, oh, as great. I will follow. Yeah, it's a song that I really love. It just has this youthful, joyful exuberance to it. And um, I, 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 when I was started listening and kind of figuring out what my top five list was, I... I sent it to my bandmates and said, oh, my God, we, we should. I know it's crazy to cover U2, but it would be so fun just to play this twice as fast as U2 played it. And I feel like it would just be so, so great to do it and do a gang vocal on the chorus. And, um, yeah, I, and that's all I have to say about it. It's just, just the energy of it is just great. We've kind of already, my band has kind of already ripped it off to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh yeah, yeah, it's a, a lovely song. Quill? Um, my number two is Sunday Bloody Sunday. From War. song I ever heard and uh, it just you know obvious choice but it's always stuck with me as a drummer Um, in particular the drum beat is incredible Um, and one of the like all time memorable rock drum parts for sure Um, and it's just a great song the melody is awesome just all the changes are really nice I love the um, like I don't know if it's arpeggiated or just like the kind of twinkly guitar that comes in mm-hmm. um, is a really awesome part and uh, yeah I just uh, it, it, that song brings me back to um, big time Sunday morning getting ready for church in middle school and high school <laughs> um, that process hold, was bloody your on, pump up song listening to 89x <laughs> And it being 89X Time Warp. Time Warp, yeah. Uh, when they would play a bunch of 70s and 80s uh, songs. And pretty much every Sunday, I would hear Sunday Bloody Sunday and Close to uh, Close to Me by The Cure. And um, those were two huge, huge songs for me um, in middle school and high school. And um, yeah, it's just, I have always loved that song and never will stop. When we were Very in cool. college, we listened to uh, Alive by P.O.D. to get pumped up for chapel. So it's sort of <laughs> the same thing. 
<laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I didn't put it on, but it was so loud on our floor that you just had to like <laughs> get Perfect. Really, really pumped up about it. Perfect. Well, that's great. Yeah, uh, great drum song. Great drum song. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, guitar song. Um, <laughs> my number two song is "Hold Me, Throw Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me." All right, by you too. Damn. And uh, for my thoughts on that, rewind this episode five minutes and uh, listen to what Alex said. Fair. Okay. Uh, my number two is a song that is uh, my love for has grown a lot in the last uh, week as I've been preparing for this episode. It's another Joshua Tree uh, side B song, Red Hill Mining Town. I think that this is Bono's best vocal performance that I've heard. The chorus is just this spectacular pop thing. There's these kind of uh, Beach Boys falsetto vocals. There's a brass band. There's some synth brass. Uh, it's just a, a beautiful song. And, and, and this is another one that's kind of like, you know, it's Bono's trying to do Dylan or Springsteen or something. Apparently, the band didn't think that the, the, they were very successful. They did some elaborate remix uh, four years ago. And I guess um, they considered releasing this as their second single from Joshua Tree, but Bono couldn't hit the high notes of the chorus live. And that was seen as a big obstacle. And I guess the brass band was kind of out of tune, and that created some mixing challenges. Um, yeah, if this is not something that uh, you remember from the second half of Joshua Tree, I would go back and listen to it. It's just a joyful, beautiful, uh, big-budget pop thing from the 80s. It's great. Quill, how about a number one? Cool. My number one favorite U2 song is Sweetest Thing, the single mix from nineteen best of 1980 to 1990. Travis hates this. <laughs> I do. <laughs> love this song when I did like when it first came out 1998 I think is when it came out uh well it was originally from uh was it like a b-side from jo- yeah I don't Joshua really remember Tree, there maybe? there was an older version of the track that was recorded and when you two released their best of 1980 to 1990 I think they touched up the sweetest uh, thing and released it as a single yeah I'm pretty sure Bono re-recorded vocals or something um, and there was some like different instrumentation for sure but I think it was maybe from the Joshua Tree um, but I, I don't know that for sure but yeah, 
yeah, I don't know, corny, like, love song, I guess. And yep. uh, Yeah, I think he wrote it about his wife. I just, uh, yeah, I don't know. It just uh, is a really sentimental, um, nostalgic thing for me. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I've just always, I've always loved it. Um, Was that re-released to um, coincide with the release of the 2002 th- film, The Sweetest Thing, starring Cameron Diaz? No, because this came out in like 1998. I know. Oh, was it 98? Yeah. Okay. The best of collection that this was on, uh, that was this was like officially released on. I bought Um, a copy of that. I like this song too. It. uh, I. I like the piano. (laughs) I like uh, the. uh, Shoot, there's a a certain vocal thing that he does that is, I think, really corny but really, really great. It towards the end. Ah! Well, that's awesome. Uh, oh, the yeah. It's like I don't know. It's just so corny and great. I just man, it's crazy that you like this song because there's nothing happening musically. No, no. I I think it's all about uh, it just it's really pretty and it has really pretty strings and just like everything about it is very pretty. And, uh, I, yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a softy sometimes, uh, you know, I love Sour Girl and I love, uh, Strong Enough and, um, Name and I love all these ballads from the 90s and this is just like another in a line of, of beautiful ballads from that, from that yeah. era that I just, I'm a sucker for, man. It's just heart, heart-wrenchingly gorgeous, even if there's like nothing to it. It's just beautiful mm-hmm. and, and brings me back to some really good times uh you know really good slash challenging and and frustrating times but uh it helps put uh challenging times in a positive light for me mm-hmm. trev you're gonna tell us about beautiful day <laughs> no he's gonna tell us about elevation or uh vertigo yeah, can I get a countdown okay. for my my pick? <laughs> no. Uno, dos, tres, catorce. Thank you. Cuatro, cinco, cinco, seis. Thank you. <laughs> uh, for Give my it to us, baby. number one. <laughs> for my number one, uh, collect call from Macfisto to George H. W. Bush. It's Lemon from Zuropa. Wow. A seven minute glammy song uh, with a ton of percussion, and it takes two and a half minutes to get to the chorus. Love lemon. It's awesome. It's like, uh, um, it's it's um, like I said, glammy throughout the verse, and then it takes this hard turn into the chorus where it's a wordless chorus and a beautiful piano riff with some crooning, like falsetto crooning over the top of it, and um, and then like 
also there's like a pre-chorus section where I think the edge is singing and it sounds mm. like the talking heads like <laughs> melodically uh it's just such a weird Frankenstein of a song that um Frankenstein's monster excuse me <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh god I love lemon it's great and um it's a great song to build an album around and it helps me to love Zeropa a lot more. So, um, yeah. Highest recommendation of lemon. Great. So yeah. Alec, what's your, what's the best U2 song of all time? Uh, I believe that it's zoo station, which is a song that I think that I've already sung the praises of before on this podcast. This is the first track on Octung baby. And I think it's the, the band's, coolest song they're reintroducing themselves it's arena rock but this song is so german and i don't even necessarily know how to explain how how it's so just just so german transportation in Germany and they uh, they recorded a lot of Achtung Baby which of course is a German album title uh, in Germany and this song has uh, more successfully than I think any other artists that I've heard uh, channels Berlin era Bowie I feel like there's like just little bits of um, Krautrock in it there's there's little bits of um, you know uh, 70s Bowie there's little bits of Kraftwerk. There's little bits of Noi. There's little bits of Can. Uh, well, where's Can from? Are they Welsh or something Noi? like that? Did you say Noi? Yeah. Is don't that how you're pronouncing? I, I, guess I don't I know. That's how Carrie Brownstein new. said it on the on Portlandia. So that's kind oh, of why well. I, I started saying that. Can't and argue I, with that. I have to admit that that's the only reason why I say it that way. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, there's like. Um, cool keys there's this great little uh, wordless vocal hook um there's uh like uh Nile Rogers uh kind of finger picked palm muted guitar it's a very funky song there's a lot going on the cats jumping all over the place uh, <laughs> um yeah, it's it's super cool. Great pick. I'm glad you included it. Listening to this stuff in, in preparation for this episode. Was there anything uh, I know that you mentioned um, Sunday Bloody Sunday? Was there anything else that you all struggled to not include? Just New Year's Day for me. I mean, not really. I think the things that I like uh, people have heard before. So it's not like, and again, like, U2 has had all the exposure they'll ever need for five lifetimes. So it's not like you need to say like, oh, you really need to check out this song by U2, like this <laughs> cool underheard band <laughs> that needs to be more appreciated. N- nobody needs yeah. that. 
it's like I do I, I do like all of those big Joshua Tree singles. I mean, I don't think that there's anything wrong with the fact that those are ubiquitous, but it does eventually take a bite out of your your enjoyment of them. Yeah, I, I this experience did not like make me want to. I mean, there are probably some early '80s U2 albums that I would like to maybe dig into at some point, but um, yeah. I don't know, maybe part of it is because of how huge they are. Like, I just don't feel like I owe it to them to put in Mm -hmm. the time, and so I don't really need it. I don't feel like I need it. And, you know, I have Unforgettable Fire on vinyl, and I like it more every time I listen to it. And I know that's, like, a blatantly, you know, obvious, like, huge, good 80s pop rock album. Um, But... I think that's it. I think that and a few singles and I'm good. Yeah. I feel like I want to understand. It's almost like an academic thing with them where I feel like I just want to understand what they meant at different times. Uh, 80s U2 is different than 90s U2 is different than 2000s U2. Um, And I, I think that there's something interesting about their impact on pop culture as a whole. Um, And I, I generally enjoy listening to it, but it's there's there's other stuff out there that's more exciting for sure. A lot of it. Um, 100%. <laughs> so yeah, it, 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 I don't know. I guess they're they're important in the grand scheme of things, but um, sure, sure, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's no so like that. yeah, I like to I, I I feel like I like to be well versed in um, in a band like that. All right. We'll take a little break and we'll come back and look at the charts. All right. Uh, Number one on the mainstream rock chart is a little song called Precious Declaration by Collective Soul. <laughs> oh, yeah. Woo. We mentioned, I think we mentioned this in a recent episode. We talked about it. Yeah. I like it. It's a great, it's great. song. I've always liked it. It's a great song it. title. The, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I think this podcast has made me really like Collective Soul. <laughs> <laughs> I hear Collective Soul and my ears perk up. <sighs> Do you know what's funny, guys? I So I don't know how to actually play uh, the world I know on guitar. But uh-huh. I, I figured out a faux, faux version of it. And mm-hmm. uh, like weeks ago, uh, Sarah and I were at a lake house with some friends and uh, <laughs> one of our friends had brought an acoustic guitar. <laughs> and I hadn't played guitar in, in probably years. And... Uh, uh, he was done playing, and I was like, "Hey, can I can I mess around with your guitar?" <laughs> he was like, "Oh can yeah, absolutely." I and, and I started playing like I, I can play like the the picked part of um, "Tonight Tonight," and I started with that. And I uh, there's a Get Up Kids co- song that's similar, and I like played that, and and I eventually made my way to the world I my like faux version of the world I know and played it for a long time and sarah finally at some point was like what is that and i was like i think it's the world i know by collective soul 
<laughs> oh, you know, it's just a little song. I know about it. It's like the song. It's cool. <laughs> That's you ever heard it? my recent story about the collective souls. God, I'm so right. mad I wasn't there for that. <laughs> the album Discipline Breakdown that Precious Declaration <laughs> came from was was a big deal to me. Aww. What a tr- Oh my God! Can we please have an episode about that? That is sure. I feel like we already talked about it a little bit when we we had our blue album episode. I don't know. Maybe we didn't talk about it much. We need a combined discipline breakdown dosage. Uh, special. <laughs> okay. Kill me now. All right. No, I can you. lead us through that because uh, no, dosage was probably thanks. my most hotly anticipated record of 1999. <laughs> which I think it's either 1999 or 2000, but. Yeah, I guess we're going to um, save some for later. Yeah. Uh, number one on the pop chart is still Can't Nobody Hold Me Down by Puff Daddy. And uh, let's take a quick peek at the modern rock chart from this week. Uh, anything that you two are seeing? Plenty. There's a yeah, little bit of turnover lot. this week, right? Yeah, there, there's a lot. There's a lot in this one. Yeah, that's yeah. exciting. Um going from the top uh number 14 is where you get love by matthew sweet uh loved that chorus as a kid um coming off of you know um 100 fun and sick of myself which is still a probably top 10 song of all time for me um this song where you get love like the chorus is amazing and it's got some some moog uh, yeah. in the chorus, which is great. I had never heard this song before, and I really it out, and it was awesome. Yeah, oh, yeah, it was, it was great. Yeah, I remember, you know, hearing it on the radio and stuff. And, like, I feel like the verse is a a bit of a step back, but it's also at the same time, like, somehow the perfect verse for this song. I think it made the song more interesting. Oh, really? Okay. I didn't have any. Yeah, I thought the verse was cool. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, uh, wonderful power pop song. Matthew Mm -hmm. Sweet is a real artist when it comes to to putting that stuff together. I'll I'll jump in and say uh, I by Smashing Pumpkins is a song that I like a lot. You do? It's one of their more purely electronic songs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's very cool. From the Lost Highway Highway? soundtrack. I didn't know. From the Lost Highway soundtrack. Yeah, I didn't. I, uh, when I saw that song on the chart, I was, um, like, oh, what, which song is that? I don't quite remember. And, I, I don't remember them being on the uh, Lost Highway soundtrack, which I watched within the past couple of years. Um, huh. And it's listening in the, movie. To the song, I was like, oh, yes, yes, I remember this song. And yeah, it was better. on the radio it's, a fair amount. Yeah, it was. It was on 89X a lot, definitely. Um, it's it's good. I was good mad electronic. about this song. Pumpkins. It was a I didn't like mad it. about it? I didn't like it when I was a kid. Yeah. Oh, uh, I see. Because it was just so electronic. This was yeah, like the first full. Like this was. I like don't the, remember hearing any guitar on it, but I, I could be wrong. Yeah, there is a guitar line on it for okay. sure. Yeah, and there was. I mean, like in the movie, they're like slow dancing at like a saloon or something to it, right? 
Sure, that happens in every David Lynch. <laughs> I, I suppose work. so. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's cool that it was in a great David Lynch yeah. film. I mean, Corrigan must be proud enough of it because the the last time that I went to go see Smashing Pumpkins, they played it. Yeah, they yeah. included it in their set list. Um, I've already defended "Bitch" by Meredith Brooks. You mm. two weren't fond of it, but I, I think yeah. that's a good pop song. It's there. How about "Sleep to Dream"? Have we talked about that? By Fiona no. Apple. Awesome. Of course, that's great. She uh, is a, a a young artist from New York. Who recorded an recorded an album in 1996 called Title? Uh, Sleep to Dream was great. Mm-hmm. I liked the other songs. I, I Sleep to Dream and Shadow Boxing more than um, Criminal. Criminal. Criminal was like everywhere, and it was like okay if you know a song from Title, it was Criminal. But the other singles were like also great. And yeah. God, wasn't there? There was a deeper cut of a single that for whatever reason I really love and I can't think of the name of it um one second it is called uh never is a promise it might have been a single and it might have just been a song uh, an album track that I loved um yeah it doesn't I can't pull it up from memory just based on the title okay yeah um but yeah can't go wrong with Fiona Apple yeah. Ever in any of her recorded output. I don't think we've talked about Battle of Who Could Care Less. That's something that it's this the is first kind of the. This, uh, it's been on a chart, I think. This is kind of the do to do's year for me. I have such strong mm. memories of the spring of 1997 hearing uh, Semi Charmed Life and Battle of Who Could Care mm. Less on the radio, and both of them having those do to do's. Uh, Battle of Who Could Care Less has got to be pretty good. I haven't listened to it in a while. Yeah, it's terrific. It's, uh, it's good. Yeah, it's it's good. Chord wise, fantastic. Really, um, really interesting stuff happening. Dude, the bass, um, the like. Oh my god! Yes. Bass. I that was such a cool. I mean, okay, so Ben Folds Five, like the drumming is obviously okay. Obviously, the piano and the melodies are great. The drumming is like stands out the drummer is yes. amazing but yes. man the the bass i just oh, yeah. love the like the the conflict between the like distorted bass uh underneath all that piano uh, it's so such a cool move um yeah really really great for a while i was watching videos of like isolated bass tracks from the song because it's mm. so good great call on that Dude, it's so um, good. It's it's the best part of the song for yeah. me. And and like I love the drumming on this record, but How about hell? How about squirrel nut yeah, zippers? Yeah, I, I wanted to mention. I wanted to mention hell. This was like pre, uh, pre pre ska swing pre pre ska. Yeah, pre. I mean, oh, okay. Well, maybe not pre mainstream ska. The impression that I get was on the charts as of 
the previous uh, song that we we discussed um, as of One Headlight. Um, but, like, pre, you know, after, or, like, during the ska um, thing, there was, like, the little minor swing kind of breakout with Cherry Pop and Daddies and Big Bad Voodoo Daddy, and that was basically it, right? And uh, Squirrelnut Zippers were first. Um, Andrew Bird, if anybody is familiar with the uh, songwriter and uh, musician Andrew Bird, who is pretty popular, has been pretty popular um, in, like, uh, indie circles for the past, like, 10, 15 years, um, 20 years, maybe, um, was in this band as a violinist, um, and, uh, the song was cool. I hated it as a kid. I didn't get it at all, but it, it's pretty mm-hmm. good. What, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's amazing. Um, the recording of it specifically is set up, like, it's almost recorded like a jazz song where there's, it's very roomy and um, it's like one mic set up in a room and it's picking up, you know, all of these sort of like chamber instrument sort of things where there's like, there's uh, a variation of piano and like stand up bass and drums. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like it's recorded like a jazz band. Mm-hmm. And um, the drums are like, like brushed yes too, right like where there's like sliding the brush on top of the snare head and like yeah and the vocal performance is really exciting too yeah, like the whole thing is it's exciting it's an exciting song so different than anything else going on <laughs> yeah swing or otherwise for sure it was i mean it was unfairly kind of lumped in with that or maybe you know advantageously lumped in with that to take advantage of it um but it's a good thing that it was because otherwise you know a song like that probably doesn't exist yeah on the charts if you could only see by tonic the next big tonic single i think it's terrible i think it's good i think it's good really yeah yeah i think like I, i think for what it is i don't know uh it's like kind of rocking and like really driving (laughs) but like the main bass instrument is acoustic guitar but like not in a not in a days of the new way like it's 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 a little different than that um i don't know something about it i think the melody is good like i i think it's it's leaps and bounds better than the previous tonic song that has been on the charts at this point which i can't think of the name uh uh, off the top of my head open Um, up your eyes there we go uh, oh. The other thing I wanted to mention was You Were Meant For Me by Jewel, um, which I always loved that song as a kid. And uh, Great song. Yeah, love it too. It, yeah, it's it's good. It holds up. It's a nice yeah. uh, folk song. She recently did a song exploder about You Were Meant For Me, and it's worth listening yeah. to. Interesting. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Good, good week. All right. Uh, let's rate. Staring at the sun. Mm-hmm. I'll give it 2.5 moments that you're stuck in and can't get out of. All right. I'll give it three papas who have been peered at. <laughs> I'll give it three sons that have been stared at. <laughs> no, hang on. No, I don't want to give it that. No, I don't want to give that much. 
I'll give it you two and a half. <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool. Talk man, right. so much for our shortest episode. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Creating that All content, right. baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh Nirvana wannabe, no. 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 Okay. Here we go. Tell me all your thoughts on pod as part of the Offshelf family. Head to offshelf.net to sign up for their monthly zine. Uh, the best, most fun way for us to communicate with all of you is via our Facebook group. Tell me all your thoughts on Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod. However, we still love receiving your emails at thoughtsonpod at gmail.com. Listen along with our playlist on Spotify, Apple Music, or watch along on YouTube. Hey, you guys tried that Verve weed? Did y'all put that Verve weed in your Verve pipe? Did y'all take those Verve pills? Did y'all put that Verve needle in your Verve arm? Shut up. Huh? (laughs) No. Bye. Bye.